Welcome to the New York Now podcast, a modern wholesale market for retailers and specialty buyers seeking diversity and discovery. Gathering twice a year in America's design capital, New York City, it's where buyers and designers unearth a refreshed and dedicated collection of eclectic lifestyle products. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New York Now Spotlight podcast. I am your host, Amy Lowenberg, Senior Relations Manager for New York Now, Community Spotlight Podcaster, and all-around retailer advocate. My focus is to bring you important information, conversations, and perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Today's conversation is not just with a buyer, or a merchandiser, or a retail consultant, or even a podcaster. It's with Michelle Sherrier, whose life experiences has enabled her to play every role I just mentioned. And today, she's letting me turn the tables and interview her. Michelle's 40-year-plus career in the industry was set in stone by her mother at age 14. This one act was instrumental in paving the way to not just a treasured mentorship in three stores with the famed Fred Siegel, but time with Z Gallery and Anthropology, just to name a few. These were pivotal in creating and cultivating her business acumen, eye for aesthetic, and overall deep understanding of the intricacies of retail and the key role that visual merchandising plays in it. She's a creative curator, and her goal has always been to help her clients grow their businesses by connecting and understanding their clientele and pushing the envelope to increase sales. Michelle is very, very real. She tells you like it is, and she doesn't shy away from sharing her life lessons. Take a listen. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the New York Nail Spotlight podcast. Hey, Amy, thanks so much. I am so excited to talk with you and to get to know a little bit better today. Um, I first learned about you through our mutual friend, Barbara Mooney of Daisy's Mercantile in Alameda, California. Love her. Love her. Um, And after listening to some of your podcasts and reading about you, um, I know you're a West Coaster, I'm an East Coaster, but I'm pretty sure we've crossed paths many times as we play in the same arena. And actually, I kind of feel like you're my spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited to get started. um, And this is all about you. So um, let's start at your beginning. You have done and you currently do a lot. Why don't you go into how you first got started into this industry? It started with my mom telling me you're not sitting on your ass again this summer. No <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, my mom was, uh, she was one of the first women in Manhattan Beach to be divorced. So back in like the early seventies, women, just you, their divorce was not really big. And so she was single mom and she was trying to keep us to keep up with the Joneses living in Manhattan beach, you know, and it obviously wasn't what it is now, but you know, kids going and comparing like that person has OPs and that person talk about dating myself, uh, this person. So she was trying to keep up with that. And she finally was like, look, you need to get a job if you want to all these things. So she drove me to the mall and I ended up at the wet seal and well, if you've heard the last podcast is like, I ended up at another store and I, I badly shoplifted and got, got fired. I, did that one. <laughs> I went to a wet seal and that was really my first like real, <laughs> real introduction to fashion and working in retail and actually loving it. And, um, went off from there. I, I, went through school and I, I had a chance to go model in Japan and I was, I think, a junior and went, I, I can't believe my parents signed off on it, but yeah. signed off on a 16 year old going to Japan. We were with um, our agent and interpreters and I came back from school and or from Japan. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not going back to school. I, it, so I, I haven't graduated. Like it, it literally went from like Japan and like mm-hmm. going and putting application in at Fred Siegel. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was taking it, it was a, a, a temp position to work the sale. Cause we had a sale mm-hmm. twice a year and they always hired up. And I, I guess it worked out cause I was taken on as full time and went through management and Fred, I was very lucky to be part of the group that, um, back in the day, if you mm-hmm. proved yourself, Fred would essentially back you and put you into a store and say, okay, it's a sink or situ- sink or swim situation. Here you go. It's your store. 
And um, like most of the things I do, I literally got the ball and ran with it as far as I could. <laughs> had my stores for, I don't know, I think like six, seven years. And I, I had three stores wow. by the end. And then Northridge earthquake came and um, wait, 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 you had three stores in Fred Siegel. Yeah. It's, you know, so I started at Fred Siegel finery with Michael Campbell. He was my Mm -hmm. boss and Fred was partners with him. Michael also came into stores the same way um, everybody else did was here's your opportunity. Um, So Fred was actually my mentor. I was lucky enough to have work side by side with him, which is scary and amazing at the same time because Pay a little homage to the great Fred Siegel, shall we? Yeah, he, I mean, obviously in the industry, I mean, everyone knows his history and what he brought to the world of retail and fashion. And, you know, he was, excuse my friend, he was a major ball buster. I mean, I I think anybody who's extremely brilliant that in that sense, it's like the Howard Hughes there, like there Mm -hmm. is a bit of crazy there and, and it's, a brilliant crazy. And, and so I was lucky enough to have him as my mentor and learn the ethics of your working owner, meaning you, you don't, you're not at home sending, there's no emails then, but you know, you're not at home making calls. You, you're actually on your store floor. You know, he always said you're your best salesperson. And uh, so I ended up with three, I had Fred Siegel comfort in the beginning, which was a men's like surf. So Quicksilver, Stussy, Spotsport, um, I had an opportunity to take on a second space. So I opened the women's division of mm-hmm. comfort. And then I, I think there's still in New York, Terra, Terra, Terra Nova, Terra. That's the, like the eco line, right? Yeah. They had a huge store at Fred and, and mind you, 420 Broadway was Fred Siegel for a better ecology. And that was so far before anyone was recycling or any of that movement that we have now. I mean, it was so far. So Tara, Tara, whatever the name store is, was there in probably, I think they had about 4,000 square feet. And it, it was, you know, they didn't last because it's like they were every, selling everything from toilet paper to beautiful high-end bedding to, you know, everything that was organic and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, they went out and I had a chance to take it over and like a dumbass, I did not listen to those who are smarter than I. <laughs> it's like, and I, you know, very much to Michelle, like, no, I can do it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. And <laughs> I did it. And, you know, here, obviously here, I'm not with Fred Siegel anymore. So <laughs> you know what happened. <laughs> um, and the earthquake came and you know, my accountant, my attorney pulled me aside and said, all right, we're pulling the plug. Like you've run as long as you can. And you know, it's time to shut it down. And I, I think I was, I think I have the, the, the prize for, I think being the only person that went through bankruptcy during that time at Fred Siegel. Really? So, <laughs> wow. so in, in 27, it, you know, you're such a ego thing there. You're, you know, how, I mean, yeah. how do you not get caught up in it? But it's like we had every celebrity in the city coming yeah. to, and it it was before you know iPhones and and it's where all that. So you were very intimate. You could pick up the phone and say, "Hey, you know, Meg Ryan, we've got your shirts that you ordered," and it's very different now. But you, you get so balloon headed in the, like, look at me. And I've got three stores at Fred Siegel. How could you not? I mean, I, I, w- I was going to say, do you just have a great deal of confidence or was it naivete? I mean, you just, you took on oh. so much at a young age. Cool. I think both, I, you know, I think most of it was ego though. I mean, I talk about that a lot, a lot in the podcast that it's like mm-hmm. that you get so caught up in like the, what, look at me. And I'm from Fred Siegel and excuse my dogs. Um, no, you I know, love it. You go, and you go into <laughs> shows, you know, you go into the gift shows or apparel shows and you've got, a, that was when you wore badges and it was, oh yeah, you, you walk in and people are like, oh my gosh, Fred Siegel, come sit down. You know, well, can we get you anything? You know, and it was star status. Oh my God, major <laughs> ass kissing. So, you know, at 27, yeah. you're like, yeah, like <laughs> I made it. Like <laughs> I arrived. <laughs> and in and, and the same breath as happy is people are to see you like, Oh, Fred, they, when you're an asshole to them, which I kind of got to be, they're really happy to see you go down. And they're really like, okay, bye Michelle. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) I mean, but it it was great lessons. I mean, honestly, like I, so fast forward to closing stores, 
I was at Z Gallery for, I want to say like five or six years. Uh, I remember Z Gallery. I lived in San Francisco for a while and I worked in the Stonestown Galleria. I, <laughs> there was a Z Gallery like right down the hall. <laughs> I adore, I still, it's funny because we just recorded the, it's, I'm calling it Life After Z Gallery, but Bill okay. Fabian, who's one of the buyers for Romans, mm-hmm. and Melissa, who is, um, at, with third and wall, we both, we were all there together and talking about those days of, I mean, it was just, it was a magical time. I was there when the Zidans still owned it. Their mother was still alive. She was very much involved in the business. I mean, it's just very lucky to have that experience. Um, so headed up, I started as a manager, which I shouldn't have been because they were all on computers. Fred Siegel was like a cash register that you zed out at night. So the poor Melissa, who was the assistant manager, had to basically like be my manager <laughs> and help me like onboard me onto a computer system when which I'm very open about that I'm so not tech. <laughs> you know what? I have to share like anytime I have a nightmare or like a bad dream, it's usually that I have forgotten how to close out the cash register. <laughs> I'm not I'm not lying. <laughs> it's the Z key, you just <laughs> Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I found my loved merchandise because you merchandised it. I merchandised in my stores, but it was all apparel, but now merchandising gift and home at Z gallery and like how they did it as, as colored out or themed mm-hmm. was all new. And it was, I ate it up and I, I quickly went from being in management to moving into visual. Cause that's just what I was drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for, I don't know how long. And then anthropology came and recruited me. And it was, I, I, it was Kristen who headed, I wish I remember her last name, but she was the person who basically created the whole aesthetic of anthropology. And she came into Z gallery and was talking to me. And and I think I'm the, one of the very few people that didn't have to produce a project because you when you get, you get interviewed there and you get on, it is no joke, the interview process, like how many layers there are to, and, and to have a project that you, you have to hand in that shows yeah. your creativity and your quality of, of workmanship. And thank God, cause I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gotten hired <laughs> if I had to produce that. Cause I, I'm, I'm very good visually when mm-hmm. it comes to crafting little things. I'm mm-hmm. not. So I, I was at Anthro for seven years and I, I mean, I ate it up. I loved that. I love that company. I love everything that I learned there is sight, sound, and scent and the balance of aesthetic and business and reports and how much reports teach you visually. I mean, all of it. I just, I loved it so much. And I think the tipping point was I, I'm very much um, shoot from the hip. And I am very much say it how it is. And, you know, there's a way to have conversations in a corporate arena that um, you don't just call it out. Like what happened? Like, (laughs) and, and it just, I, I got, I was going through the motions. I was doing my job and, but I wasn't challenged anymore. And I was so, you know, just lay it out the way it is, the way my conversation goes with the employees or the management or what, what you'd close a store on Friday and it'd be redone and beautiful, stocked, and you come back. And mind you, this is Thursday Promenade too, but you come back on Monday and was like, oh my God, like the whole place is just trash, like nothing's stocked. Yeah. And so you, you immediately was like, what happened? Like, and yeah. you, you, I, I just learned and realized like this is probably not where I'm meant to be. And I decided to make a leap of faith against my then husband's, um, <laughs> he was not pleased with it, but I was like, I'm just doing, I'm just doing what I love at Anthro and Fred Siegel. And I'm going to do it for other people. And I literally took the leap of faith and walked away from like 401k and yeah, a that's, great, that's a scary leap, my friends. Oh yeah. Insurance <laughs> and great, great payer, all of it. I just, but I really, I really believe that, that, that a, it was time to go and B Mm -hmm. like, I really wanted to keep doing, but for more people than just one store, 
No, completely understandable. We're we're actually going to dive into that a little bit um, later in this conversation, but I I, I want to dive a little further into your merchandising abilities just because they're so stellar. You yeah. know, I can't not talk about your merchandising. <laughs> um, can't not pay you some respect there. It's such a major pillar in your life, and and you've obviously you've had some very influential roles in your career that have been just integral and in, in not just providing you the education, but the inner workings of retail. Um, and I, and I, like, you really understand the intricacies, just like what you're talking about, about how you communicate and how you talk and how you work your way through each level of every aspect of retail, but especially in the visual merchandising role. Um, I, I think we know who they were, but who are the most influential retailers that you work for? And, and then like break it down a little bit further on how they had an, a, a great impact on you. I mean, you've, you've touched on this already, but just dive in a, a little bit further. I think really anthro. I mean, really like, I mean, well, Fred Siegel in the sense of being in the arena where each store is separately owned and operated, each owner brought their own creativity and their own, style and like the girls, Jennifer and, and Robin Coe, who owned Fred Siegel Sentiments, the, their, their knowledge and, and buying for their body, bath and body store, like the, the depth of the inventory they had that taught me, you know, more is more. And, and that, that abundance factor of having it full and like, where it's a candy store, you want it all. Michael Campbell, my old boss, like his eye of perfectionism on just the smallest details of like a tiny little display case and how mm-hmm. perfectly rolled a tie with a clip and like his, and that's the kind of stuff I don't have patience for that really small detail. Like I I'm all about the big picture, but really anthro and, and the, you know, from learning how to build tabletops where you get that big display and, and I can't not mention is Stephen Young is Lisa from Stephen Young. And she and I, you know, it's funny because, um, I think I've been with them for 12 or 13 years. And when I first started, Lisa has a very, very distinct style. Like she's so, I respect her so much and she's so good at what she does. It's like, there's very few role models I have that, you know, in the industry. And I, res- I, I have huge respect for so many people, but as a role model at my age, 56, you don't, there's not a lot of role models that are out there in, the, in this industry for what I do. And Lisa's just like, it just blows my mind, her worth that And talk about perfectionism. I mean, if anybody has seen those stacked up books, the way she, and it's like, literally like tapping one side, tapping another. I mean, they are like soldier straight, but her eye with the architecture and building that of a tabletop and the height and the balance, I already had some of an anthro, but certainly Lisa and Stephen Young really raised that for me. And, and yeah, for, for anthro, the, the balance of the, the cross merchandising and the creating a story and creating concepts, they are brilliant at that. And that's still now for people that I buy for, that's still how I buy is in concept. So you're not buying, I mean, it's not the buyer's favorite thing. They certainly don't get super stoked about it, but you, you, I have a vision and it really is important that it all flows together. And that all comes from Anthro and that beautiful aesthetic of, of pairing things together for that cross merchandising so aspirational. I mean, I just, I, they, they were literally probably the, the first, um, stories that actually took my breath away when, when you walked through them, you know? Yeah, they, they still do. And, you know, I, it's, I know they had a change of the soldiers at the top and, you know, it's, it's very apparent how some of the changes are happening, but it was nice to see. I'm not sure who posted pictures of, um, I think one of my friends is now working in the, the, New York rock center. And it seems like the high, high key stores are ones still doing the blow your mind display, which is great because it is like, it's, it's, there's nothing like that in retail. I don't know how, how you can continue doing that when you are hundreds of stores in and that many employees and trying to relay this message. Yeah. But it's, 
they, they are so, but it, it's, that's really, and that still is my aesthetic on how I merchandise. And it's still very much how I train my retailers as far as, you know, cross merchandising and hand in hand sales. And because it is, it, it's really great that it looks amazing. That's great. But honestly, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't matter. And that's, that's a huge part of anthro. Yeah. And it, and it changes from store to store too, right? So whatever you're featuring up front and setting up that huge visual packet to send out to your, your teams, it, it, it could, um, um, did you have different visuals for like A, B and C level stores? Yeah, I'll do an inspiration pack. So you got like the one I always reference to is Odile, which is um, this little tiny elderly lady in Par- in France, somewhere in the countryside that they were on a buying trip and they found these amazing quilts that Odile made. And they took, she took them back to their house and her house was this very layered textured home with the wallpaper and the books and photos and, you know, tchotchke. And they loved it so much that that became one of our concepts. And the part that Anthra is so brilliant at is, um, you know, they'll have an item that is a, is an item that no matter you know, what season in season out, it's your bread and butter. This is always going to be part of the picture. And how they will reinvent the same item and you will get a list of all the items that are supposed to be in this concept. So for Odile, a lot of it was wall decor um, and the bedding or quilting and blankets. And um, so they literally will build it on. These are your velocity items. These are your non-negotiables that have to be in there. Um, This is where it should be in the lineup of rooms because their store goes from public to private. Um, and, and what furniture pieces, and then they will leave it to the visual team to decide prop wise, how to continue on layering it. And so you get very good at dumpster diving and, you know, going thrifting and finding, but it's all about creating this aesthetic of this story of this person who lives there. And that really taught me like the, the creating a story and like, you know, what, you know, so when I go to the shows now, it's like, when I'm looking for things, I'm looking for things that will be going hand in hand as well as telling story. Right, 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 right. So what what do you think are some of the biggest misunderstandings in merchandising? Oh, that it's going to cost a lot if you bring somebody, you know, or, or that I don't understand how it's going to be how this much money, how it's going to pay off or um, I can do it myself. That mm-hmm. you can, but you know, have you seen any difference in how you're in it's that's probably the biggest we can I can do it myself. And you can, but you know, I think having an outside set of eyes and somebody that actually does it professionally. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, how about just having support so you're not doing everything yourself? I mean, isn't like the biggest thing of is delegation and actually like yeah. allowing other people to like re- represent your brand and in your voice? Yeah. And what's, what's ironic is that I'm a horrible delegator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, I think that everyone, I mean, it, it is a cost. It is something you have to build into your business. It is a cost, but the mm-hmm. the payback is huge. And I think that you know, touch, thank God, touch wood, that all my business has been word of mouth. And wow. I, I I love more than anything being able to, for the people that will share their sales reports, but I'll always touch it back with them. Like after we did, like I just did a new store um, and we just redid part of their Brea location. I'm always like, okay, what are the, what sold departmentally? Like what bumped up? We increased this. We put out more of that. Like, look, what, what are the numbers and the numbers showing it? Like I need last week's numbers or even like the month before. And can you give me, and they're like, not used to doing reports. So he's like, uh, let me spend a lot of people are looking at it though. And a lot, like any numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had some good training <laughs> to be able to do that. Um, so you consider yourself to be a, a creative curator, um, and you recently shared your top 10 display tips for Gift Shop Magazine. Mm. Uh, so for those who may have missed that feature or need a refresher, we're going to do something fun. Um, I'm going to list your top 10, and you're going to give me a sentence or two to um, define <laughs> it. Okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Number one. It rhymes. When in doubt, color it out. 
to avoid the miscellaneous items that you have, a lot of us, this is going to be more than a sentence. A lot of us, you know, you go to the show, you get, you get all, go to the show, you get all excited. You order all the stuff. It gets back to your house, your store. And you're like, what is this? And what is it? So I found miscellaneous items will merchandise beautifully when you color them out. That's actually a really great idea too. Also when, um, like at the end of a season or something, and you have all those miscellaneous things, mm-hmm. like so putting it on sale, you know. Yeah, mm, love it. Um, merchandise by concept. Just what I was talking about with Anthro is that you know it, it's. I find stores are much more cohesive when you're able to merchandise at least a couple groups. I I love Druzy. Is it Druzy that's in New York? Mm-hmm. Uh, she merchandises general store style and I, I love it because you it's about Drew's and company. Yes. Yeah. And tons of miscellaneous items in state a little bit. All merchandise beautifully together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess as a concept, that would be her concept, but I, I feel like it, it makes a much more cohesive store when you are able to both start at the show level buying in concept and then by the time it gets to your store and then you can feed in other items from your store that you know may or may not go with it color wise but it certainly makes a much more cohesive space agreed mm, this is bringing me back to my days at uh natural wonders uh binning <laughs> um binning is my favorite thing on earth um <laughs> jars baskets um all of us buy from a lot of the same vendors. So you get those lip balms or whatnot in these uh-huh. pop-up boxes. And I don't know the proper technical name for them, but I'd like to take it all out of that and put it in a jar. So it looks a little bit more special and it doesn't look like, sorry, CVS, CVS, yeah. <laughs> where it's, a, you know, and there's sometimes that packaging works, but I also find that it helps when you're building your bookcases, it helps with your pattern, something rowed up, something Mm -hmm. stacked, something in a bin. And then you just keep doing that pattern. The jars really help kind of break it up. And as well as kind of like corral all these loose miscellaneous things that could be floating around on their own. And just to jump back to number two, that is Shelly at Drew's. And she just opened her second location and she's in the Catskills. Her store, it, I, yeah, I, I forget who, where I was, where I got introduced to her, but her store is so there, there's very, let's put this, there's very few places that I, as Glenn Sank, that used to be the president of Anthro, that gobsmacked me. That was his word. Like you were always like trying to gobsmack. So in the retail where there's like, because we all buy the same things and because I'm seeing it at wholesale and retail, it's really hard to get like, oh my God, that's amazing merchandising, amazing product. Her store and um, Pigment in San Diego are- Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh my God. Phenomenal merchandising. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's um, Chad and Amy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, there's so many amazing retailers out there. Okay. Um, the hardware store is your best friend. First of all, I have to tell you, I could spend like 15 hours in an Ace hardware store. Just, just saying. <laughs> well, the old, the, the ones that are like privately owned, tiny little mom and pop hardware stores are the best because they're things that you will never see at the big box places. But mm-hmm. regards to like risers, the garden store with pavers, um, AstroTurf to cover, we cover tables at Stephen Young a lot in, in AstroTurf. We just fold it on, staple it on the bottom. Um, uh, cement board, um, covering walls and cement board. It, it paints beautifully. It absorbs, it has a texture. It's inexpensive. Um, those copper brushes that you, you know, take paint down in those in jewelry cases with rings popped in them. It's like, I, there's so much stuff that you can do there. That's not expensive. I love it. You're just, you want to make me merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to open a store just so I can merchandise all the products. (laughs) Um, okay. Uh, and this is really important. Don't treat your window like a garage sale. Oh Lord. That's kind of self-explanatory, but you've gone by them. And it's like the theory, I hear it all the time. Well, it's in the window. If it's in the window, it will sell. Or if it's at the cash wrap, it will sell. It's like, yes, it will. But 
there's a limit to, and it's like, literally they, they will take everything. All this is new. And it's like, that's awesome. But what story are you telling? And, and the whole idea of your windows is the same thing, storytelling and, or, or if anything, just showing new things, but spread it out. Like you don't need to put it all in the window, but I've gone by store windows that, you know, and I, <laughs> I get grief about this all the time mannequins without hair that had hair at some point that still have the tape on it throw a scarf on her put a hat on her something (laughs) your windows are your calling card to the world and your windows are your 30 second chance if someone walks by to look in it and go okay that looks amazing because your store may look amazing but if your window is a garage sale it's a lot to take in some people love that look but most times it's it's just Less is more and and think more curated. Yeah, I, I find them overwhelming. If I see them all in the window, like I don't need to go into your store. You know, yeah, it's all I mean, there. I mean, literally the every surface has been covered in some of the windows I've seen. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're standing in front of a window and you actually have to look up because it's piled so high. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs> it happens, it happens, which which kind of leads into six, show items as you would use it. Yeah. I, um, one I've realized customers will not open the door to a display case and they will not take the lid off of boxes and things. I don't know what, what that human reaction is, but in realizing that years ago, two's company did this brilliant magnifying glass that is in the shape of a paint stick or a paintbrush. And, you know, we had it stacked in the men's department with some books at Burt's pharmacy and, I'm looking at the reports. I'm like, nothing's not one of them sold. I mean, this is a pharmacy that deals with a lot of elderly people that use magnifying glasses. So going to the store and looking at it again, I'm like, all right, we the lids on it. You know, the box explains clearly what it is, but clearly no one's paying attention to it. So take it out of the box. And then we opened up one of the coffee table books and then put the the magnifying glass on the verbiage. So you could clearly see that it's <laughs> magnifying glass. And it and they sold, but it the lid thing and, and not understanding what it is. Cause not your customers aren't always going to read the box. Right. Right. I like this one too. Uh, get inspired. Yeah. That mandatory at Anthro was once a month, you had to get out of your store and you had to go get inspired. And that meant going to a museum or renting a movie that was inspiring. Or for me, it was always magazines. Uh, it's still to this day is my biggest source of inspiration, but going to other people's stores and seeing what other people do, not in the catty, like, uh, catty part of like, you know, where you're like comparing yourself, but to mm-hmm. see what other people are doing and, and see like the good and the bad, but I mean, really you need to get out of your stores. You're, you, and that's what happened with me at Anthro. That was part of it too, is I spent seven or eight years there in the same four walls that I couldn't, I couldn't think past my four walls anymore, even with my inspiration days. But, you know, as owners, I think that you're in your stores all the time. And it's it's very rare you get a chance to go walk other stores or other cities or go through magazines and because you always have something else to do and you've got kids and you've got you know, mm-hmm. dinners to make and orders to write at home. And But it, getting inspired is so important because you come back with so much energy and you're so excited. It's like, okay, we sell all that. Like, let's try something different. And, that, and it forces you to kind of think outside the box on how you're doing it if you're open-minded enough to go and look at it that way. And I think that that's really important. So important. So important. Um, cross merchandising. Um, not only does it tell a story or help, you know, tell that lifestyle story, but it adds it's add on sales. So candles and candle holders, um, matches with candles, soap dishes and soap and, you know, it helps perpetuate the the story, but more importantly, it creates hand in hand sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one I like a lot too. Um, risers think outside the box or think outside the plexi, I should say. Oh my God. <laughs> this is like my, I will stand on my soapbox till the day I die of getting uh-huh. rid of plastic risers and anthro you're just not allowed to use them and while i was so surprised to hear that i i oh had God. no idea but now i think about it i've never seen a piece of plastic in there holding up a piece of merchandise yeah they they you know our risers were just what i was saying it was like they're pavers from the hardware store or they're 
four four by fours are cut down and and used interestingly, or there are soup cans that the lids off of in the kitchen section to use as rice. But plastic risers, nine times out of ten, yeah, you know, they are good in the sense of if you can use them in the back row and mm-hmm. you can cover it up with something, a book standing up, a stack of something. You don't see the plastic, but nine times out of ten, I swear to God, all yeah. you see is the plastic riser. That's yeah. all, literally, you don't even see the product anymore. You just see the plastic riser. Yeah. I was always taught, um, well, when I was first taught, um, it was all about the, the, the pyramid, the vignette, right? So we would use the riser in the back and, and I agree with you. Like, I don't want to see it. So like, I would think about my merchandise, what I put where, and I would cover it up, but you know what? I always forgot you could walk around the fixture and bam. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it, you know, the architecture, architecture is so important to have that height, but there's so many other ways you can get that. But again, like if you're in your store forever and you never get a chance to get out and see what other people are doing, or, you know, it, it's this plastic risers, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. My account serendipity in studio city. God, I love Ashlyn's like one of my closest friends now. And Aunt Ashlyn, when I first came to her, um, she had loved her plastic risers and loved little pieces of mirror. And like, <laughs> so I literally, I, I went there the first time we did our workshop, I took literally every plastic and she's like, where, where are you taking my, I love, I love my plastic risers. You're not using. And I would come back and all the plastic risers were back and I take <laughs> them all away again. And now, you know, it's, seven years later. And now she's like all the plastic risers, praise God, are thrown away. <laughs> <laughs> really good with like finding other like slices of wood or her, her, uh, riser. Yeah, it just takes what? a while to get us out of our, our, you know, norm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like drilled in. So you kind of, you, you, you kind of touch on this, but let's expand on it. Cause you're talking about lifestyle props now. So to me, I'm you're, you're thinking more grandiose, right? Well, lifestyle to me, it's, a, you know, for Anthro again, for an uh, example, um, mm-hmm. we, we, they had a, a kitchen section and a, a wall decor section and, and the kitchen section was, you know, really everything for tabletop. And so for using risers, we would use canned goods. I mean, something you would use in your kitchen that would be a great riser. And, and, and so canned goods are inexpensive and they're modern, clean, you can tear the, tear the, always tear the label off unless the label's like some cool, really vintage looking, um, vegetable. It's like some obscure thing that you can find, but by far and large, tear the, tear the label off and they make amazing risers and they fit with that, that concept. So it becomes more of a lifestyle. Um, for garden, we always used, I keep going back to pavers or bricks are great. Like what, mm-hmm. what you would use in that a wheelbarrow or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so, like lifestyle is really, um, creating a look that is less, um, lined up and, um, again, sorry, CVS, less CVS and where it's just lined up and straight and forward, where it feels like somebody could walk in and they're at home and they're in their bathroom or they're in their kitchen. Right. So it's not like you're walking into necessarily like a table setup, but just your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Um, totally could talk about that for hours with you, but um, I, I want to jump into another topic because um, you do a podcast and I love it. And we have to talk about it. It is the retail whore. I have to ask you how you came up with that name. <laughs> um. I know I it's it's I love it. I know it turns some people off. Like I there's people where I've said, you know, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Oh, what's the podcast name? The retail whore. And you see this little <laughs> little like mm, like <laughs> did she really say that? <laughs> I, I mean, my mom doesn't even know the name of it. I'm pretty sure she would not be down with it. But you know, I I've done literally everything in retail from a stock person to an assistant manager to a manager to a buyer to emerge. So I figured, you know, I've done everything. So I mean, I'm kind of like a whore in the business, as, as horrible as that sounds. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm a retail whore and I've been in retail for my entire, I mean, since I was 14. So 
I, don't I used to call myself a retail bitch and then I stopped. <laughs> I love that. And it's funny, I, 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 in somewhere along the way, I, I interviewed somebody and they introduced me to their marketing person and her name is Media Ho. I'm like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just so, it's so more accepted these days. I heard your um, podcast with um, Kitty Meow, Boutique. Yeah, yeah Cat, Cat, of course. Kitty, man, we're right. She's fantastic and her card line. I mean, there are so many card lines out there with uh profanity. Oh. Um, it's you know, you can't <laughs> walk down the aisles of any trade show without seeing like, you know, the F-bomb dropped a hundred times, you know. Yeah. Um, and I and I personally I I like how it is uh, a little bit more uh accepted and looked and sought out now. Well, right? It's accepted except for Facebook will not la- allow us. I mean, it's weird. Instagram, we can use it. Facebook, yeah. who owns Instagram, we're not allowed to use the word horse. So my poor digital marketing person has had to go around all the, like, how do we spell it? Fanatic. <laughs> so it's for H-W-H-O-R. That's <laughs> how we got away. So like, well, at least it sounds like it, but yeah. it, you know, it, it's not for everyone. And I know that because I drop F-bombs on it all the time. And it's like, yeah. you know, but it, it's, it's supposed to be cheeky and fun. And it is, and, cheeky and it, and fun. It is not as serious because there's so the podcasts that are out there when I was you know, researching what else is out there. It's like, they're all very serious and they're all numbers and forecasting. And I don't know, I couldn't get through five minutes of them. It was like, I just wanted to hear something about retail. that was fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all know and we've spent, you know, so many hours in their stores, you know, there's, we all share the same stories and the same crazy customers. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you started this not uh, like, like a, not even a year ago, right? Oh yeah. You give us one a week, you interview people in many different aspects of the industry. Like, like you just said, like shop owners, service providers, industry friends, but you even share your life lessons with us. Um, how, how did you land in this space? I mean, I guess you just kind of said how you did, but like how, sorry, jump in. (laughs) Cause I I just duplicated a question. So jump in. (laughs) It started started when we were in shutdown and you know, all this went from going a hundred miles an hour to like, okay, what do I do now? And I was literally like everybody trying to find other things. So I started going live on Instagram, doing interviews with retailers and just like finding out like what they were doing and how they were getting through and how they were quote pivoting. And I hate that word now, but like all of us had to do it. And it was like, so what are you doing? Like, what, like, how are you, I mean, are you, you know, are you baking on your time off? Or, I mean, it was so much fun to find out from, you know, I, I, I call it, retailers, wholesalers, and hustlers. So it was so much fun to find out from my friends who are hustlers that are chefs and, and whatnot. And, and also like all of our worlds stopped and to find out what all these very busy, very successful, very driven people who probably have never had this much time off in their life. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now? Like, what are you yeah. doing for business? Like, what are you doing? How are you changing? Like, we're, I mean, ta- I, Kelly and, and Lowe from Kingfisher were my first, first one. And those two pivoted so fast. It was crazy. And it, it's, I think that the biggest takeaway during that time was, you know, how are you, how are you getting people to your store still, whether it be drop off um, merchandise or how are you, and you know, the going live was the big thing, right. Or whatever the see it, shop it, whatever the, the other um, platform was. And, you know, there's, it was very clear for those, who were comfortable mm-hmm. with going live and going on camera and, and had websites that were working. It was very clear from the old retail mentality to the new retail mentality of like, you know, there was people that just boom, we're going live. And it was like, yeah. wow. so it, it, when we all got back to normal, I mean, I started working again, as soon as they semi opened up, I was still, even though we were shows were not really shows. I was still setting up for, you know, my showrooms and I was still going to some stores that were like, we still need it look to look good because we're doing live sales and we need mm-hmm. store. And so, you know, I got back to work relatively quick and then, you know, fast forward, it was like, I really kind of miss doing that. And I, on it, literally on a whim, it's like, I'm going to start a podcast. And 
I talked to somebody and I got Kathleen, who's our editor and my best friend, who is my nerd herd, who she's like, yeah, I'll help out. And she even now says like, I had no freaking idea. It was going to end up being like a real job. She's like, seriously, I was like, oh yeah, I'll help you in this cute little podcast. And, and it's, I, it's crazy because July will be a year. So we're not even anywhere near a year yet. And we've gotten, we're almost at 5,000 downloads and the response has been wild. Like I really, it's beyond what I thought. And I, you know, I mess words up all the time and I get, you know, stuck. You're real, man, you are real. <laughs> I'm as real as it gets, but you know, hearing <laughs> the people, everyone's stories that I've talked to and, and hearing what their philosophies are and, and, you know, HR things that have come up. And I mean, it, it's, it's been so much fun. I feel like this is what I'm meant to do my second half of my career. I love it. I love it. It's amazing what we've all kind of found for ourselves during that year and a half, two year period of, of, uh, uh, yeah, p- pivoting, but really reinvention, you know? I, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm, I am extremely grateful for, mm-hmm. you know, the, I'm very lucky that I, I was working during, I'm very lucky that I, you know, I, I, it was a very different situation for me, but honestly, the gift of, of, you know, listening to people, what, what, what they were going through and like really sitting and listening and, and, and the gift of like all these people out of nowhere coming for like, Hey, we're, we're, we need help in our store. And I was like, literally like at that point, I was like, we're still closed. You really need help. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> but it, I, time to paint. <laughs> I, mean, I also have never had that much time off ever. It was yeah. wild. Yeah. It, it was beautifully wild. (laughs) Um, do you have any favorite episodes that that you've uh, recorded so far? What Sammy, that was my part of my anthropology series, Samantha, who uh, headed up, uh, Newport beaches anthropology was one of my favorite. you, You could tell because it's, she was like my intern. She's like my kid. And, and that was so much, but I'll tell you one of my favorites is actually this week. It's Nathan from Nathan and Co. Ah. And he would, there's something about, you know, somebody's knowledge of the retail industry, but someone that's so engaging and, and, and can talk story and tell you yeah. about like, Oh, these crazy stories that went on and why, wh- how they got. And he's so engaging and he's so knowledgeable in the industry. And he was such a fun interview. So it, that, I, I think that's one of my favorites so far. That's cool. I, um, I love meeting all these retailers through, through your podcast. I'm just piling my way through. It's been, oh, thank you. It's, it's I, I mean, <laughs> Barbara, I have to say like the friendships I've made, cause I, you know, you get to a certain age and you don't, it's not like you make friends. Like, and it, what I've realized in this interest also, it's like all of us see each other in showrooms all the time. Like we will all mm-hmm. walk by each other for some reason. No one's like, Hey, how are you? Like, it's not, it's not an industry of like warm and fuzzy. Like people just don't like, you know, Hey, I'm Michelle. I'd like to meet, I'd like to say hi. And you know, I love your store and you what it, and this it, it's interesting. Like how, like I really have some amazing friendship with women that I've interviewed that I've continued to stay friends with. And Barbara is one of them for sure. I mean, Barbara's like our number one fan, like yeah. hands down our number one fan. And I'm so lucky to get to know her and, and, you know, it's, I would never have had this opportunity to meet any of these women or men that, you know, I've had a chance to interview and talk and laugh with and hear their story. I mean, I I can tell you, we bounced a few emails back and forth, but the minute we were on the phone, your name came up in like seconds. (laughs) She, I I just, she honestly, like she's our biggest fan. She's so we're, we're going to start doing um, the Rita Horror road trip because originally it was intended to be YouTube where you could see the store mm-hmm. person. And, you know, I've been bootstrapping this my, whole, myself this whole time. And it's like, you know, to edit audio is one thing and to edit audio, uh, edit YouTube as well as a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just, we're going to just release it at first for just audio. And, and you know, in, in talking to like the Sergeant Jane was talking to, Jamie and listening to their store of how they built it from the ground up and, you know, how amazing it sounds. And I, I, 
as a retailer, we're all visual. So all I want to do is I want to see her store. And even Barbara, I'm like, will you post pictures of your damn store? Like, I don't get, I I want to see inside of it. So Mara from Fine Lines is like, you should do road trips. Just pick up state and drive. So we're actually going to do it. We're, we're, we're going to start um, the first ones we're going to film. We're going to combine it with my trip for my, my store up North Masane. Um, We're going to go hit, Nathan's and we're going to hit Barbara's and then we're going to hit Sarah and Jane. Cause I have to see her store. We're going to get, I mean, the, the, it's amazing to me, just the ground up and exposed brick and poured concrete and three floors at the garden rooftop. I might, we, I have to see this like, so I don't know how many we're going to be able to do in a year, but right now for sure, there's four plan that will be all visual of seeing people's stores and the detail and the exterior and displays and I use everything we all love as retailers. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're speaking my language. I, I, I do uh, Instagram store tours. It's part of my, my, my daily vibe, you know, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Getting I out love following yours. Oh boy, thank you. I, I am like honored that you follow. Um, I'm I'm super excited because I'm heading out to uh, San Francisco at the end of April for San Francisco Now, um, our first uh, pop up out there show. in the uh, Fort Mason Center. So yeah, totally want to see you. Um, but I I emailed Barbara and I was like, I'm I'm driving out. I'm coming to Alameda. <laughs> I'm so excited to see her store and upstairs how she's redone the apartment upstairs where she's going to hold classes and you know it's somewhere for people to stay if she's having because I think she's having Hester and Cook was going to do one of the classes where teaching people how I mean it's brilliant when you think about I it love like Hester and Cook teaching people how to do a tablescape with Hester yeah. and Cook what better person than the owner of Hester and Cook so I guess she'll have an apartment. She has an apartment built up there so the person can stay in this beautiful boutique style apartment, do the class. I mean, I, I, I just listening to Barbara's like how she's, what she's doing is, is so forward thinking, but also I'm like, she's known for her merchandising and her store and the historical building. I'm like, uh, that's the kind of stuff I let so inspired by that. I cannot wait to go out to. So you have to post pictures, please. Well, of course, of course. Um, any pictures? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we are um, coming to the end, but we definitely need to talk about your business, MC Design Collaboration. Um, your life experience has clearly led you on the path to create your company. Um, was it 2010 when you created that? Do I have that correct? Yeah. We, I left Anthro and stepped out and started with one store and, um, Pharmacies somehow I've ended up with pharmacies and I I'll say like one of my favorite things the store was, was a store in Manhattan beach called center drug when we were kids. And my mom would take us down there to pick up her stuff. And there's always something to buy. There was like always amazing gifts. And so I, I started with San Pedro pharmacy who um, the owners were, are like my Jewish parents. And, you know, I was with them until they closed the store. And um, I, I vastly between now wholesale showrooms and retailers. So it's kind of nice that, you know, when it ramps up for holiday and you're really not doing a lot of shifts as merchandisers, it's really about selling at that point and small, subtle. I'm in wholesale showrooms. So I work for Stephen Young, um, Peking Handicraft, Art Flow Trading and Sales Producers. And then right shows end, I turn magically into a buyer the first couple of days of the Las Vegas show. For the, for the Boots Pharmacy. And then I come back and I start circling back around to all my retailers and, you know, one by one, it, it's, I think it's hard for them because they don't see me from December to like beginning of February, January is tough. And I'm always like, you should be on sale right now anyway, and we'll roll all new concepts out. And I'm busy training right now, a lot of the employees. So they are able to kind of make small shifts, at least keep wow. the standard up and keep the look up. But <clears throat> it's, it's everything from visual merchandising to retail development, you know, teaching people how to set their floors or, you know, they're not on report systems, how to utilize the reports for, you know, driving their business, showroom design to just showroom setup and change outs. And it's fun because I kind of get to dabble in everything I love and I'm never in the same place outside of show setup. I'm never in the same place for, you know, more than a week. 
Wow. And I'm on to the next amazing store and they all have amazing things and they all have a different feel and a different look and different fixtures. And they're all kind of puzzles on what works with what. And it's been, it's that I love what I do. I really, I really am lucky when I get up in the morning and I go to work that I'm, I really love what I do. And it's like, I love the challenge and I love the puzzle part of, you know, what's working and what's not. How great that you actually get to say that. Um, so you you don't just dance on both sides of the aisle. You you basically dance from the ground up and all the way back around again. You you, you do everything. So yeah. <clears throat> how are you balancing this all? I mean, great that you wear so many hats. And and I know that there's a seasonal you know shifting here and there, but it overlaps. So. You know, I mean, it will be really interesting this year with now with the retail whore ramping up. Um, I, I balance it. Like, I guess I just pick different, I mean, it, the ebbs and flow. Yes. Like right now I'm busy with Bristol farms trying to, cause I have to bid Bristol farms, their holiday installs this time of year. So I'm mm. trying to figure out numbers and quantities of things and, you know, it's, I just, I guess I compartmentalize just kind of like do this for a little bit and, you know, stuff does fall through and you you have to work on weekends and, you know, try and game, but somehow it's always worked out. I, I don't quite know how, I think a lot of it is because I'm not at a desk. I'm, I, in the, like today I was at raw paradise. So this morning left the house at five from five to one reworking raw paradise. And then came home, took care of some emails, doing this with you. And, you know, I, I, I'm really trying on the balance part to shut things off at a certain hour and spend time with my dogs and my husband and making dinner and leaving my phone in the office. Cause I'm a horrible scroller. <sighs> like just God, me too. Scrolling Instagram. <laughs> and the big one is like not going to bed with the phone scrolling through Instagram. And that's has been on my, my New Year's resolutions for the last three years and is still doing it, but I'm getting better where at least I'm like leaving in the other room. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to try to practice that too, because, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. And it, it's not even like inspirational crap. It's like stupid TikTok and animals dancing. And <laughs> I guess it's kind of brainless, but I realize if I read, I'm just so much better. Like, I'm calmer if I read before I go to bed, as opposed to ramping myself up with TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, I do like those little animal videos, though. I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I literally, I mean, I'm sure you saw that one on stories. It, that one of that kid, there, it, it's just so bad. It's like it just, I. I'll literally, I'll sit there and it's like, I try and keep the sound down because my husband's like, you're not supposed to be on the phone. <laughs> I'm like turning it down, turning it down. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I could continue this forever. So please promise me that we're going to have a continuation conversation at some point. Well, I need to have you on my podcast now. I'm, I'm there. Just tell me when. Okay. I'm going to send you an email because I think I, I love talking to you and I, I, you know, I, I want to know more about what you do. Cause when like I was, you were in New York and I haven't done Harper group since COVID. I know I was going into the system. I'm like, when was she last year? Am I staring, <laughs> like watching the show? Cause I, I just, you know, I, I love showtime and I love shows and I'm fascinated by what you do. So I can't wait to have that conversation. Oh, and when I, I, we do need to meet. So hopefully our paths are, are you, do you go to Vegas? Um, I do. Okay, um, good. Let's see. I've got, uh, we'll talk offline. I've, I've yeah. got a, a myriad of markets I'm hitting. I'm pretty sure you're going to be in at least one of them. Hey. Um, all right. I'm going to end with one last question. What is your best tip for making this world a better place? Say thank you. And please, yeah. it's, it's so, they're so underrated. And I, I have to remember that, you know, people are, people are working so hard and it's like, if you can't say please and you can't say thank you at the end, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's the easiest thing to do. And it's the nicest thing. And, and look them in the eye when you're saying yeah. that. Yeah. 
Uh, those are the best words to end this with. Other than how can somebody get in touch with you? Uh, MC design collaboration at gmail.com, or you can DM me through my Instagram, MC design collaboration. Um, both super easy. I respond. I answer almost every question that comes up on DMs. I, I pride myself on that. It could be a question of what we're doing. If you have a question of what the product is, I will give you all the information I can. Well, you have been more than generous with the information you've shared with us thus far and your time. This has been thoroughly enjoyable. And I just want to say thank you so much for um, spending time with us tonight. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And don't forget to check in with New York Now Weekly for new and exciting conversations, crossing over a myriad of topics and people. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at NY underscore now and San Fran underscore now. And me as well at amy.atnynow. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And I will talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to the New York Now podcast. Make sure to tune in weekly for engaging and insightful conversations, touching on the most relevant topics facing our community today. Visit newyorknow.com to learn more about our market and how you can join in on the conversation.